I'm sorry that I missed your party. I wish I had a better excuse, but I can't even lie, you got me. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. I was busy dreaming about boys, boys, boys. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. Let's get ready to rumble. Welcome to Aya versus the big boys. Tonight's fight. Coda, I guess. Hello and welcome. My name is Kevin Cook Mann, resident big boy and ringleader for the matchup of the century. As you very much know, we are struggling in a global pandemic. Most of us working from home. The side effect of that, a lot more free time to catch up on media of all shapes and sizes. We all have movies we know we should have seen by now, but just haven't. Call it the canon. Call it the IMDb Top 250. Or... Call them the big boys. The pinnacles of cinema may be the most explicitly patriarchal artistic medium of all time. It is time for a bro movie beat down. Without any further ado, in today's episode and every episode watching today's film for the very first time, I am joined by the titular prize fighter herself. Finding her voice was the worst thing that could have happened to any of us. Oh, I, uh, come layman. on, man. Na, 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 na. Hollywood. Oh, here we, here we go. Hollywood. Aya Layman, do you like the cheers and all the jeers of the 2022 Oscar ceremony? <laughs> See? That was honestly melodic. That was beautiful, Kevin. <laughs> I was like, this is this is hitting. Oh, yeah. Sweet rhythm. Kevin, I feel like a clown. I feel like a clown. <laughs> okay. What reason this week? Okay. Right. <laughs> Moments to ruminate. I just like, I, like this week has been, it feels like a bad dream, you know? Not even uh-huh. a bad dream. It just feels like one of those dreams. You're just kind of like, this sucks, bro. <laughs> I know. A good Will dream. Smith could have killed somebody. Which famously was <laughs> the theme of one of my worst childhood nightmares. Wait, what? I've told you this before. Maybe. I did. I told you this on pod because during the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street episode, you asked me what my worst nightmare was. And I told you that I was set up on a date with Will Smith who turned out to be a murderer. Oh, my god you planted the seed (laughs) that's foreshadowing i have some business to attend to okay okay all right regarding our now i want to go back in time a little bit because i just want to avoid talking about this week so badly but also like (laughs) gotta get everything out of the way right right this is some just some business just some housekeeping so uh in my uh, last year at the end of the year, we did our hottest of the year of 2021. I like to edit my a couple things. So uh, crucial, critical, important edits. It, and they're very important. And also that I've been thinking about them for a while. Oh, God. Um, okay. So first of all, uh-huh. I had not seen the film Titan when we discussed all of the movies in that one big episode. So for yes. my hottest of the flick, I'd like to assign it to Vincent Landon. I think he's... Oh, my God. Poppy. 
right there. Wow. Hottie, 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 hottie. hottie. Hot guy. A Hot dad. Classical Dilf. Cla that's a, and, and Kevin, that's actually a textbook Dilf. Now, so, uh, a question about Vincent Landon. Yeah. I am often kind of fucked up on what the general definition of a dad bod is. I often think it's a lot chubbier than a lot of people who fetishize it mm -hmm. end up imagining. Yeah. Is that a dad bod? No, he's pretty fit, I feel. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole plot line is that he's, like, uh, addicted to steroids. Steroids, yeah. No, I don't uh, think that's a dad bod. Okay. I think, it, I hear I people think it's go... actually literally a dad bod on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Just wanted some, some body image clarification. Of course, yes, of course, of course. Okay, um, I haven't seen West Side Story yet, but I think that my... I think that uh, Mike Feist wins my hottest of that flick, but we'll see. Okay. He's a cutie. Yeah, that tracks for you. Um... A girly I follow on Twitter is just constantly posting about him, and I'm like, you know what? I could adopt this. <laughs> and then okay. for my hottest of 2021, I'd like to edit my final three, my top three. Because at the time, I had not yet seen a little movie called No Time to Die. Oh! So my hottest for that da, film, da, and da, editing da, da. my hottest of 2021. Number three, wow. we still have Okay. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> okay, you 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 weak bastard. All right. Still have Andrew Garfield, number three. Number two now. Now, if you'll recall, previously I had Adam Driver in House of Gucci and The Lost Duel. Mm -hmm. Unseating Adam Double. Driver. The, the Ridley Scott sandwich. Unseating? Unseating Driver. Unseating Mr. Driver. Leishana Lynch from No Time to Die. Okay. Number one remains Jessica Henwick from Matrix. But number two, had, I, I couldn't stay silent on it. I couldn't remain silent on it. She's so hot. Yes. I think the hotness is a bit impaired by how dirty that movie does that character. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's actually like uh, so racist. It, it's um, uh, quite sickening how they set up a James Bond uh, successor only to uh, strip her of the title and franchise. <laughs> but. But. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the energy on that, what was it, like a scooter or like a motorcycle that they were yeah. on, riding back from the club? Mm -hmm. Baby. Baby. All that sweat in the wind. So that's the housekeeping, and I'd like to actually naturally jump from that into the Oscar ceremony and begin by saying that I do believe that when there's a Bond movie nominated, people blindly vote for Bond. Uh, safe, yeah. I mean, Bond movies are most known for action second and the theme song first. It's true. People are addicted to Bond theme songs. I mean, they're kind of they're mostly pretty fire, you know, I some live and let die. I, Hell yeah. Live and let die is the best one. I didn't dislike No Time to Die. I liked Miss Billy, hometown hero Billie Eilish, but I did believe that the Beyonce song should have won. Yeah, the Beyonce song is a surprise. It's the best part of King Richard. Like when it cut to credits, I, I, was, I was not feeling that movie at all. But then I just started bopping all of a sudden. Like to open like, oh. with that performance and then that doesn't win the song. Strange. A weird choice. Uh, odd choice. Uh, I think it was also the first time they've ever done like a song performance for something that wasn't nominated. I think maybe the last time was when Rob Lowe was singing with Snow White. Oh, God. But they did. Wait, oh, for we don't talk about Bruno. That's for we don't talk about, about Bruno. Mm -hmm. With Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah. Uh, I have not. I, when Last we talked about that movie, I have not heard that song and I wanted to see how long I went without listening to that song. And so during the performance, I took off my headphones and I went to make a snack. 
And then I came back and it was done. <laughs> wow. She was, I was like, I was like at the edge of my seat. And I texted you afterwards. I was like, so incredible to be a Latino. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that personally, I thought the Beyonce song should have won. Just like yeah, how the year that, and, and this morning, a uh, friend of pod, Adam Cash and I were discussing on Twitter.com, Diane Warren's tragic uh quest for best original song and how he said that she never has deserved to win when i uh-huh. believe that she did deserve to win for till it happens to you which was that song about sexual assault uh from the hunting ground and lady gaga performed it at the oscars with like and with a chorus of sexual assault survivors and it was oh my god yeah a, obviously a very moving performance and i'll never forget when after that happened and that you're fucking the specter song one or whatever the one that sam smith wrote if you even remember it no and exactly no i couldn't tell you any word from that song except maybe specter but probably not and uh the entire audience it cut after because it obviously cut to commercial right after till it happens to you the audience's faces were like sheet white knowing that they obviously had not voted for that song. <laughs> uh, and they didn't. And then Sam Smith won and was like, I'm the first of a gay person to win an Academy Award. <laughs> yeah, that must kind of suck to realize that you, you hadn't listened to the song and what the song was about. You've facilitated that behavior in, in your industry for at least 70 years. Must be a nice, nice white in the face moment. Yeah, truly. We talk, so you knew who Diane Warren was before this year? Mm-hmm. Okay, I had no clue who she was. Okay. No, zero. Is she like a solo artist or is she just do movie songs? Uh, she's like a she's like a writer, you know. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, wow. There's like a just a songwriter that doesn't sing that's famous? I like kind of yeah. I mean, like she has her own songs, but she mostly writes songs. Oh my god. Okay. That I mean, I appreciate the the Caucasian lore. The Caucasian, there you go, right there. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess that settles the 2022 Oscars, right? Yeah, that's about it. I think we can move on. Okay, cool. <laughs> I feel- I, uh, you, you seem to be quite eager uh, to uh, bring up uh, the Oscars. Why don't you d- dive right in for us? I feel like I've, I've been made a clown. Okay. I feel like at the end of um, Love Actually, when Emma Thompson is talking to Snape, um, sorry, (laughs) Alan Rickman, he's an established actor that's so disrespectful to his memory. Emma Thompson is talking to Alan Rickman at the children's Christmas pageant, and she hasn't addressed the Joni Mitchell album that he gave her. And then they're standing there, and he's like, they're both kind of like, without saying it, like acknowledging what's going on. And she goes, you've made me and the life I lead foolish. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I felt on Sunday night. <laughs> after the Academy All of these Award. years, all of these hours you dedicate to keeping up with cinema only to learn that the A-list, the high class, the elite the, pe- the, the one show that is meant to take movies, maybe just a little bit seriously, actually hates movies more than anything in the more fucking world. More than anything in the world. Uh, yeah, no, I feel that. I, I guess I, I, I always knew it 
I, I kind of came to peace with that sort of sentiment because it was already in the people around me. You know what I mean? Like when you're like with a film freak, it's like a fellow. Oh, okay, we like the same thing, and we're passionate enough about it. We do a podcast about it, for example, uh, because most people around is like either just they, they see like a, a Power of the Dog two hour long art uh, house western. Most people are like. Yeah, that's boring. That's weird. Fuck you. And then they just get angry for some reason that you've decided to waste their time with something that isn't, uh, you know, traditionally accepted entertainment. And then uh, it turns out that's just uh, that's just everyone who actually makes the movies now. Uh, so it's not even the only people that are going to have the passion to make any of these movies are the people that have already made them. You know, like there's not going to be like a next Jane Campion. Uh, that is what that Oscars made me feel like. It was like, okay, if you're in the Jane Campion club, if you're in the auteur club, then that's it. That's the last wave. There it's is over. no fucking way we are getting a new batch of people because not only do general audiences not want it, but it seems like producers, actors, directors, uh, people who put on the award show of the century, uh, they really don't fucking want it. <laughs> Uh, so that was fun no that was cool I, I've never hated movies more than in that three and a half hour block as a uh, very well known uh, <clears throat> director producer uh, said in an email or an, a meeting that I'm not know about uh, it's just the fucking grips who vote now and they don't know movies <laughs> so that's why you get your answer there yeah uh, really like I do feel like pathetic to admit that this is like this is like the year that like i feel truly like disillusioned you know like i do feel kind of like every time i've been like you know this doesn't mean anything anymore some win has happened to make me be like well at least olivia coleman won for the favorite you know like at least some greatness is recognized or like a parasite would win best picture or like a moonlight would win best picture and i'd be like oh my god they got it right you know but to jump from, like, last year to this year <laughs> and just to, like, like truly, like, the, the just, like, absolute clownery of winners this year. It, I, it, and then, like, on top of that, so on top of, like, wa- like, on top of, like, watching a bunch of insanely bad movies win the most coveted award that they could get, like, you... The Flash enters the speed zone or whatever. Uh, 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 the speed force. Come on. Like, like, like. What? You know? This is maybe the most legitimately upset I've seen you uh, in all the times we've ever recorded. And this includes the times off mic where I upset you. This is like. I am seeing a side of you that is fully shattered, broken right now. I don't know. I'm sure it's coming through in your voice, but I just want everyone at home (laughs) to have the visual. Like, I literally, like, my head is in my hands, you know? It really is. Like, you are, I I almost wanted to ask you before we started, you wanted to rush into recording, and I was like, are you okay? Do you want to talk about anything? And it turns out, you want to talk about the Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Which like, you look, you're, I, to just say real quick, I don't think you are off the mark of being like made a fool, uh, may, okay. 
I don't think you're off the mark of being made to feel a fool about how badly this ceremony went. Okay, okay. Because there is a level to this that is actually disastrous for the industry at large, which is as much as the Oscars have don't matter and have never mattered, we know, okay, we can say that all we want, but they do matter. People make movies. No, no, people greenlight movies with the sole goal of winning an Oscar, of having an Oscar winner, an Oscar-nominated film, actor, whatever, in their stable. The moment, the moment that you strip this, uh, this award show of that self-serious caliber, it legitimately does affect the industry and the business and how people go forth in treating movies. It's really, we are... This was like the 88th, the 89th uh, Academy Awards or something. We're nearing the century mark, all right? And we're at a oh point my God. where we are far past the point of being like, well, maybe we can make movies around the Oscars. Maybe Oscar nominees have to- We're past that, okay? It's ne- that's never going to happen. We are going to all fall from nukes before that ever happens, all right? And so for basically the only thing making licorice pizzas, uh, uh, power the dogs, and I like I can't even name another good movie from the Best Picture crop, but basically drive anything my- <laughs> drive my car. Well, yeah, drive my car might be a little different, but like the only reason a lot of these movies are get through the door is because they have an Oscar cachet to them. And now that this is a, a huge fucking joke, one look, it's great content, and I love content. This was a very fun show to watch, as dismal and miserable and cataclysmic as it was. But I think the uh, the uh, the reaping of what has been sowed is going to suck shitty ass. Yep. So I just want to say I agree with you, and I think your feelings are valid. I think even though it feels over dramatic. To overstate to to state how bad this Oscar ceremony was, I think the actual consequences are so dire that maybe we're not like crying enough. I was talking to somebody about the Oscars before it happened. I was like, "Yeah, this is like a big thing for me. Like, I love the Oscars. It's like a tradition to watch it with my mom. We get pizza, we hang out, we do our ballot, all that good stuff." And then to like have like everything that happened at the Oscars happen, I was like, "Oh my god, I look like a fool. Like, I look like a clown." To anyone who knows, like, wow, this is Aya's big night, you know? <sighs> like, that part, that to me, like, oh, showing the clips from the, like, fan voted thing was a disgrace. That was a <laughs> disgrace. Like, you know, I know that, like, the there's been a lot of disgraceful things happen at the Oscars, like, literally disgraceful that have been, you know, now listed ad nauseum in response to the Will Smith thing. The Will Smith thing was uh, great entertainment and uh, funny. Uh, the uh, clip show that they did, the clip package that involved people voting on Twitter.com, that was the disgrace. That was the real disgrace <laughs> of the evening. Showing the flash going into the speed zone was fucking horror. And to, the, actually, the, the worst part of it was having to explain it to my mom. Because uh, my well, mom was like, what? hopefully you explained it correctly. It's not speed zone. It's speed force. My okay, mom was Aya? like, what is this? Like, she was like, I'm sorry. What? 
Oh my God. And this is to sit there and be like, what are some of the most iconic applause worthy moments of the Oscars or of film of all time? And it's like a scene from Dream Girls, like the only movie in this whole thing that actually has any kind of clout because that actress won Best Supporting Actress. Well, number five was The Matrix bullet time. Okay, well, that fucking. <laughs> like an actual great stunt, but then they don't actually award stunts at the Oscars. So what's the point? Uh, <laughs> the only one that has any what's clout whatsoever in the Oscars because Jennifer Hudson, one supporting actress, and then two superhero, three superhero movies that um nothing from before nineteen ninety nine is cheer worthy in cinema, which is important to establish. My big thing though was that like um and like you know Avengers Endgame and stuff like that is like a huge deal and like has like the number three biggest box office of all time or whatever but it is like fascinating to me that like you know they've built this entire franchise based on like insane attachment to characters uh that you just met within the last like five years um but it's wild to me that like just three (laughs) Spider-Man Swinging together actually beat that, beat out like the most, like to me, the Avengers when I was like, that should be number one, you know, like that's all your guys come uh-huh. back together. But the fact that, again, three Spider-Man from uh, three franchises that uh, like <laughs> were of such, like just over, they were received so differently uh, beat <laughs> out that moment. I thought that was so funny. I mean, the great part though is that, uh, at least our podcast was pretty well represented in the fan uh, selections of the Oscars evening. I know. You can basically find an episode for every one of the movies listed. <laughs> incredible. Incredible cross-promotion. Uh, I wish they emailed us, but we, we covered it on our ends. Yeah, that, was, that sucked. That sucked uh, that, shit. It, it sucked. Uh, I, I was mostly in the moment also treating it as really funny content. Of being like, wow, like a decrepit Al Pacino is watching the Flash enter the Speed Force right now. That's fucking dope. They got Cooper Hoffman and Alana Haim to just sit and watch the ending of Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm just imagining Lady Gaga. Every time I'm in these situations, I imagine what Lady Gaga is thinking. You know, like when she was working with Adam Driver and then she was like, you have really rabid fans. She's like, I'm Lady Gaga and your fans are more rabid than mine are. And Adam Driver having to explain who Kylo Ren is. I also think about Lady Gaga turning to whoever was sitting next to her going like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) When the Flash (laughs) entered the speed zone. Well, don't forget the best movie of 2021 is according to the fans. was another Zack Snyder essential, Army of the Dead. I did. My mom was like, oh, that looks terrible. And I was like, I kind of liked it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, did you know there's an Army of the Dead VR experience still up in Vegas? Did you do it? I'm not, I haven't gone yet, I'm going next weekend. But are you gonna do it? <laughs> Probably not. You know, I, you know I won't do VR. Again, uh, unless, I am, I am going to a BTS pop-up though in Vegas next weekend. If they ask me to do v- VR, oh boy. brother, I might try it. <laughs> Sheesh. I, I don't know what else, okay, alright, just, I'm gonna, Right, she keeps that. asking them to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty fucking dog. You stop that. You stop that right now. You go to Vegas just so you can run a train on on BTS. 
Bend over, boys. <laughs> they are canceled. <laughs> I just wanted to look at their butts. Kevin's the one who made it sexual. Oh, yeah, sure thing. Fucking right into their each of their bussies. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Did not Bussy. confirm, but definitely did not deny. <laughs> <laughs> Have them all stack on top of each other so it's like a nine-foot-tall tower. You know, assholes. Anyways. Um, she and she took a moment happened, to think right? about that image. All right? <laughs> she took a moment to, for that it's one. Also like, it's like when you're like reading a romance novel and they're like, oh, and then he got on top of her and you're like in your brain trying to like work out like how they're like <laughs> kissing. <laughs> And then he, oh, but then his leg. Where's his leg right now? <laughs> God. And then you, you're overthinking. Like, are are lips that wet? Truly, yeah. Or when you're like reading. Oh, I was reading one. My favorite. Uh, that was like uh talking about like they were fucking, and he was like going down on her, and it was like so like n- no specific terms, but it was so like it was like they're trying to describe it in a way that's not like here's me describing a sexual act. It's like here's me describing something that's going to make you think of a sexual act. And so you're reading it and you're like, I uh, like, uh, like, am I watching a sunrise? Like what's going on? <laughs> Wait, you're, you're, this was from your favorite. What? It's from a romance novel. Oh, okay. Is that just a normal read for you? An, a romance novel? Yeah. What the fuck else am I reading other than my manga <laughs> or a celebrity memoir? God, we gotta get you a fucking just a textbook. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> get this freak back. I in love school. a good romance. I have so many like LGBT romance novels on my shelf that I'm just like, no, one day I'll travel again and read this book. <laughs> so nothing really, nothing else really happened at the Oscars, right? No, I think everything kind of got cleared up. Coda won, and uh, everyone went home disappointed. And really, I think the, if anything. I don't know what we're doing. Talk of the Oscars has just faded, has just fucking fizzled ever since last Sunday. I've never seen, I've, ne- like, I've never, I've literally never seen such profoundly bad take. Never. <laughs> never in my lifetime. Never. This is the I, one. Uh, this is, this is, um, I've heard a, a, I've heard a couple takes about the takes. And one that I keep hearing is that, like, our culture of everyone having an opinion has just tainted everybody, to which I very much disagree. Okay. What I do agree with, though, is that everyone thinking they need to have a take that they can pitch is a horrible, horrible Twitter-inspired mistake. Yeah. You feel me? Like, It's a natural human response to have an opinion on every single thing. Totally. There doesn't need to be a think piece for every single opinion every single person has. And it is like this weird, I was thinking about that too, where I was like, there's this weird, gross, like obsession with having the rightest take and having a take that is easily retweetable and having an opinion that's the most, like you said, like the most marketable opinion. And there's also that pressure of wanting to be in the, in the business of takes where basically what you're doing is you, you have to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and encapsulate more and more and more. So suddenly talking about Will Smith having a violent nervous breakdown on a televised award show then turns into 
uh, the history of the African diaspora because you know everyone's just going to be talking about the slap. You need to be the one that talks about African-American history from the fucking Congo to uh, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, which that's how things get completely out of control, <laughs> completely demented. Uh, I think, I, I mean, to me, primarily the main thing is that uh, I think as- ascribing any sort of like philosophy or true, like well thought out intention behind any of the acts uh, that between Will Smith or Chris Rock or Jada Pinkett Smith is, is, is just useless. Like, this is just a man who literally, we saw a man break. We saw a man snap. And so to be like, oh my God, he did this because of this public event that I saw them in and of this public interview that I saw. It's like, okay, just stop your fucking armchair psychoanalysis. It's just, you, you just saw a man, like, he slapped a man and then he cried in his seat trying to scream at him. This is not a good thing that we witnessed. It's like... It's like, it's really silly and gross to me when people like, it's, it's honestly gross. And like, it's just gross when people are like, you know, people might've been like traumatized and triggered by this man slapping another man on stage because it reminds them of like violence they experienced at home where I'm like, if that's actually your experience, I'm very sorry that that's hard. That's hard for you, you know, but it's like, you just watched a, a probably a billionaire Slap a millionaire in a room full of millionaires on TV like a little circus. This doesn't like (laughs) I'm like, I have my hoodie on. I have my glasses on. I look like the Riddler. (laughs) (laughs) I sound like the Riddler. I'm not talking about this anymore. I'm not. I'm not. Um, We were we we were we were we're all watching the circus. And if you're going to read deeper into watching the fucking circus, then like. Get your life together, brother. Amy Schumer writing like still I can't still Amy processing Schumer's, and I wanna, traumatized. I want to dunk her head in a toilet and flush like and I really hope it drags her fucking face down with it. Uh, hers was annoying. Still, yeah, still like responding to the trauma of and like being triggered by this experience. It's like fuck off, dude. I don't know. I don't know. It's not my place. But the thing is, it's not my place to say anything. I have no takes except for I loved that all the people were like who were like. <laughs> you wouldn't slap a man for your wife like that was hilarious um <laughs> yeah it turning into like just hood politics like honorary systems of valor was just like okay all right this is the this is even cornier than the actual slap i i i'm with you i find what you described incredibly annoying because it's it's one of those things where you're you're right your experience is is not being made invalid but why are you centering the conversation on you right now? Like it, 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 I think what everyone is doing, essentially, who has like a real hot take on the matter, is mostly like expressing a very similar type of narcissism as, I mean, the person that they are lambasting and critiquing and saying should have acted better. The one fascinating thing about this, very fascinating thing about this, is that Will Smith is in a very particular stage of his career at the moment where he has not had a single build blockbuster hit in well over, I would say, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, barring 2020's highest grossing film, Bad Boys for Life, uh, which, again, is the highest grossing film with like a, like 17 asterisks next to it. So it's really not that big of a dub. He's definitely in a place of like, 
humiliation because it's not like he hasn't been trying in the last 15 years to get a single build hit off the ground again. And then compounding that with what seems to be largely, I don't want to say against his will, but whenever he is brought up on Red Table Talk or whenever he appears on a Red Table Talk, he certainly isn't putting in a pursuit of happiness level performance. You know, he's, he's definitely not selling that he's enjoying being there. And he's um, the king of charisma. So it's, it's a, you know, it's, you just compound a few, and, you know, you put in the bit of the Scientology as well. And you're like, okay, this is a man who has not had a great last 15 years. <sighs> and it's interesting that he seems to be in a state of denial wherein he can go up on stage and slap Chris Rock and I, in his head, still think, I'm in that stage of my career where I can get away with this. That's Because that's what I'm trying to go through my head of like, how, what I mean, besides the nervous breakdown, but like, what drives your ego to do that? And it has to be, oh, you're off like the high of Men in Black 1. You oh. know? Like, you, you still think you're that. And I think he is still like one of the 20 most globally famous people in the world, which yeah. to anyone who's saying, why do we care about Will Smith slapping someone at an award show? What? Motherfucker, it's Will Smith. Will Smith. This is a man whose like public persona is either very funny, very cool, or constantly talking about how he needs to upkeep his very funny, very cool, nice guy, love me persona. Like he's a guy that didn't choose the Matrix because he thought it was too much of a risk to his image. He re rejected Django Unchained because he thought it was a, a risk to his image. I forgot about that. That would have been crazy. That would have been insane. His obsession with his own image. And like, like you sent me that clip from like the actor's round table when he was oh, like, God. I got cheated on and I decided to be the biggest actor in the world. Where it's like he he succeeded, but that like at a certain point you have to you've got to keep being the biggest actor in the world or you've got to find another route. And I think that he accidentally took the other route but thought that he was still the biggest actor in the world, you know? The acceptance speech for the award was uh, possibly even worse, uh, where it was just like, a, even with a publicist in his ear, even with like Denzel giving him like these great platitudes, he still couldn't get anything clear out all he could get was like this very heavily coded language about violence and love being interlinked and it was just like ah what's someone someone get the big cane put it around his neck and yank him off stage real quick we just need to -ba -ba -boom, get him out of there save him save him i guess it's the reason that we're talking about it on the show is because will smith is undeniably one of the the biggest boy actors of all time yeah and it's, it's, an, it's an interesting display, especially around how the talk around this has gone, of like people going straight to, and I think a, a, you know, a conversation topic that surrounds a lot of these big boy movies, the conversation that goes around, what would I have done in that scenario? Mm. You know, What would I have done if I was Mel Gibson in Braveheart? Oh yeah, I definitely would have fought to protect Scotland. What would I have done if I was Will Smith and someone just insulted my wife with a G.I. Jane joke? I would have fought the man. <laughs> you know, it, it then brings in like all of these classical ideas of coulda, shoulda, woulda machismo that no one would have ever fought. 
no one has the clout of Will Smith to nut up and go on stage and punch someone for that shit. And yet, everyone is so insistent that they indeed could have uh, landed the, uh, the United 93 safely. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's the same mentality, but now it's just a different, very dumb scenario that people are inflating to a massive degree because it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's Uncle Will, I guess. I guess people just, people have a very parasocial relationship to celebrities of this caliber, especially when oh, those word. celebrities are, uh, are now, I guess, commercializing their private lives. Because on one hand, when, I, when we were talking about Will Smith right now, I was, I was, it, was getting, it was feeling a little weird. Just like, wow, we're talking about this guy as if we like know his personal shit. Yeah. But on the other hand, like that's now their brand. Like they're vloggers, they're red table talk podcasters. We know about their open marriage. We know about the steps that they took to get to their open marriage. I don't know like what hospital my mother was born in. You know, like I, why do I know these things? Why do we know these things? article that i've never read that's called we know too much about each other (sighs) yeah it's a weird pivot i do i do i do i'm like i I don't know this man again you're right like it's a parasocial thing but i do feel like he um is experiencing a level of delusion um in believing that he is like i think he still thinks that he's like the hottest shit in the world yeah. Um, I don't know that for sure. I don't know this person, but um, you know, you look at his credits from the last like 20 years almost and you're like very few heaters in here, you know. Um, but when he, I remember it was such a big deal when he jumped on Instagram and he had like a writers room for his Instagram. He posted that video of him farting like <laughs> which is such a strange. I don't know. It's been I mean, it's been such a weird Oscar year that I feel like no one had any kind of handle on it. Um, but he's had like hype from the beginning, you know, like everyone kind of was like, oh, this is his year. You know, this is his year. It's his lifetime achievement award. Yeah. And so I think he kind of went into that night being like, oh, this is my night. You know, everyone's here to see me. And th- what's going to be huge is if everyone sees me decorous rock. <laughs> <laughs> Pick up, pick up my best actor award. And it's like, yeah, that would have actually ruled hard in like 2005. But like. There's the, just, the we don't, we don't have movie stars. The anymore. dialogue has like, changed around yeah. like violence, quote unquote, an open fat, an open palm slap is not violence. <laughs> <laughs> it's farce. That's not, it's farce. Like, it's just silly. It's just like. The takes of people being like, of being like, violence is never the answer, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just like, that's not violence. I'm so sorry. I'm ever so sorry. I don't know what you're seeing. Like, that was silly. That was silly behavior, you know? You've never seen a man slap him? And I did see a great tweet that was like, makes me realize how few people watch reality TV. (laughs) True, true, true. But I think also at the same time, like people, I think a lot of people do watch reality TV, but they see the people on those shows as like bugs and ants. Okay, you know, very like little fair. creatures. And they're like, wow, they're fighting. <laughs> yeah, and like you see Will Smith do it, and it, it then becomes like, where's the decorum? What happened? It's like watching like Benjamin Franklin wipe his ass on the toilet seat. You know, it's just like, ooh, okay. <laughs> uh, look, I, there's one extra matter to this that 
I found very interesting. Of course, when uh, Will Smith goes on stage and slaps Chris Rock in the face, you get uh, a lot of people suddenly becoming uh, students of Hammurabi's law. Uh, everyone has taken several courses in civics, and uh, everyone's also a law school graduate. All of the language then suddenly pivots not to, oh my God, Chris Rock got bitch slapped. It turns to Will Smith, th- uh, age 51, suspect, has assaulted this, you know, it's just like this victim. And it, it suddenly turns to complete cop language. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not, look, it is not my place to reveal what my opinion is on this particular matter. But I will say that Will Smith, due to his success, by many, especially uh, black writers, black cultural writers, has been largely considered so successful that he's basically a white celebrity. And it's also been something that uh, Will Smith, in his roles, he has sort of had an open dialogue with of how black do I want to be. And that's his cross to bear. And that is his uh, personal uh, uh, agenda of however he wants to present himself to an international audience. Uh, It is very interesting how it seems that in the past 30 years of wanting to achieve whatever he was achieving, uh, everyone was very ready. Every white person was very ready to go from, oh my God, I love Hitch, to, oh my God, we need to get the LAPD involved. I mean that, okay, this is a a wild comparison to make, but it just reminds me simply of the dialogue around OJ Simpson, where like, when that whole situation, obviously he was a murderer. So let's just put that on the table. <laughs> but like <laughs> a, a big discussion around it was that he was like, it felt like everyone like, you know, I was at a time he was so famous and so successful. He was like, I was basically white. So he was allowed in like, it, like he was just like welcomed in society in LA. And then the second that happened, suddenly it's like, oh, they were so ready to turn on him. You know, again. Obviously, he was a murderer, <laughs> but the conversation <laughs> would be very was very different around, uh, say, uh, Robert Durst. <laughs> you know, well, I, I I think you're underplaying the scenario here. Will Smith was an almost murderer. Well, if Chris Rock had fallen over and smacked his head, he may have died. I mean, we're not. I mean, a lot of people are not talking about Chris Rock in the scenario, which I think is funny. But I'm just like, Chris Rock has been begging to be smacked physically assaulted for years he's a terrible person he's you know like that's his thing he wrote it's his thing Uh, massage noir that's his thing you know yeah the documentary that he made about like black women's hair that's his thing thing. being an absolute just being the deepest asshole you could be um like you know what (laughs) maybe i would have slapped him too but i just think obviously it's clear that the dialogue would be different if it was like you know if he was like hassling Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons. Keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Fucking mouth. Which, like, I know that the bit with Amy Schumer was staged, but um, Jesse Plemons should have pile-drived her. <laughs> that was, it was just such a badly staged joke because, like, Kristen, Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons are good actors. So they They're too good. Acted, Way too good. like, too surprised and confused by it in a way that made everyone watching uncomfortable. And was like, don't you fucking treat Kirsten Dunst like that. It was just a bad person to pick to do that to. It's Kirsten Dunst. She's America's sweetheart. Well, I would say Jesse Plemons is a really bad person to pick. Because the thing about Jesse Plemons is that he's an incredible actor. He looks like a seat filler. Well, he does. But also, having listened to interviews with Jesse Plemons, he is not a very charismatic guy. He's like, 
he's a workman. He shows up to the job and he acts. And if you're not, you know, if the interview is not an acting gig, then you're just going to get a dad. And uh, having known that side of him, I was like, oh, no, did they not fill him in on this bit? He looked so concerned. Did you know that's my wife? Like, and it's also because, like, I mean, God bless Ashley Plumbins. He's huge to us. But, like, my mom was like, who's that guy? Yeah, my friends all call him Fat Damon. That's tough. Yeah, but hey, they know him. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, I mean, like, if you did that to Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie when they were together, it would have been, like, hilarious. Classic joke. You know, classic joke. But to Jesse Plevins, like, here's a terrible, terrible choice. I mean, also, I just feel like as a as just a, a general failure on the part of the producer of this year's broadcast, I think if there was, like, a uh, physical altercation in your award show 30 min- minutes prior about making fun of someone's wife maybe you look at the script and you're just like okay let's just cut out this other bit where maybe we they were gonna do it with will and wife. jada <laughs> <laughs> and amy schumer was like okay let me find someone else <laughs> make fucking jada pinkett smith slide out of those recliners they were in in the front row the beach chairs it was just so strange because it was clear that they were like oh it's like a covid thing but then like the rest of the audience was still in normal seating. Yeah, no so weird it was it was ill thought out, uh, and I don't know. I, I I think what's important to conclude on though, is that we both thought the Will Smith slap was just really good content. Great. Like we're really we're really not take brained on this very much. Just, I just kind feel like of it like it's been so easy for everyone to move on from that. You know, like to me, to right? Like, I know it sounds really bad, but to me that happened, and I was like, damn. Anyways, what's what's the next category? Like. <laughs> It, I was just like, wow, that was wild. I love an unscripted moment. What the fuck? And then it was just like, let's move on. I want to know what happened at that one ceremony where the guy uh, went flashing across the stage. Oh, yeah. Like, wh- what was the was that room suddenly all distracted the whole night by? Oh, my God. I just saw a swinging dick. Like, is that? I'm sure that was. I mean, I would have gotten rowdier, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's just like. It it is one of those things where it's like obviously it's a big deal because Will Smith is a guy who has very loudly proclaimed how careful he wants to uh, manicure his career and has just went off the leash in a very weird moment of out of character physicality. Uh, but I feel like in a, in like a professionalism sense, you kind of just go like, okay, we'll deal with this afterwards and we'll keep this going. We'll just we'll just go with it. It's funny that Chris Rock's new special is called Ego Death. That is funny. That is great. Can you imagine experiencing Ego Death um, on stage in, uh, in front of Lady Gaga? I <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> if you're slapped by Will Smith for telling a joke, like I feel like if someone wants to fight me because of a joke I told, it's kind of a badge of honor. Like I don't know why that's like suddenly... Uh, Oh, we need to protect comedians. I think if a comedian gets in a fight over something they said, it's a good thing. I want to listen to the comedian now. I want to go see what they did. <laughs> it's it's just tough because it was like such a bad joke. Like it wasn't even like, it was, inventive yeah. or funny. It was just kind of like, dang, she's got a crew, <laughs> she's got a shaved head. Anyway, yeah. I mean, I was I in the moment I was definitely on, on like Chris Rock side, where I was like, damn, you slapped him over a GI Jane joke. <laughs> You know, like I, I technically I know I'm supposed to be mad at Chris Rock for having the gall to make fun of her alopecia and make fun of black woman's hair. But it was also like, damn, like he could have gone way worse. I feel like you could have saved your slap for something down the road. My mom was like, I bet that he was just really tired of hearing about the open marriage because they made a joke about it at the BAFTAs, too. 
Yeah, I, I I'm with her. I think I think it's just it's just been bubbling up. You know, like when you're when you're you haven't had a, a success in in almost twenty years, and now all you're known for is being clowned on for being cucked. Like, listen, some people can handle that a lot better than others. And I guess if you're Will Smith, there may be some other uh, factors at play that make that a little difficult to deal with. I do really think that he thought he was going to look good. Like, I think he was, he thought he was like, I'm coming out of this looking amazing and like hot and like hard and like cool, you know, and it's going to be a meme tomorrow, you yeah. know, which it is, which I love. Uh- <laughs> well, it's, you know, uh, Oscars is always a room full of psychopaths that are just like acting polite and clean and nice for their three hours and 40 minutes of seat filler runtime. I will say it's also funny though to see people um, who like criticize Will Smith immediately get canceled. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's like incredible. a curse. Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm like, I'll, at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to, I don't want to cancel Will Smith, but I'm not like, Will Smith did nothing wrong. Like, obviously there's, a, the speech was like, if he, I, I think if he went up and in the speech was like, like you, I think he, you said this, like he was like, well, I got a show, you know, like, well, like that, you want more from me? Like if he had referenced it in a way that was like funny almost and was like, sorry, I got like overwhelmed. And was like, I apologize to Chris, you know, like, dang, like, or like that, that was a bit, anything, anything else. But instead he went up and was like, I'm going to defend my family physically. Yeah. Like the dad who my, the girls had a very complex relationship with. (laughs) (laughs) He did like a, like a weird, like college essay. And as if like King Richard was his assignment. A movie that he was in. Like it was just, it (laughs) strange um yeah yeah. uh off-putting strange uh just like the uh entire award show around it and uh thank god let's give some awards uh, let's give some awards huh yeah thank god that this slap happened so that we really don't have to remember any of these oscar winners did watching seven decades of best picture winners teach you anything this whole (laughs) miniseries was leading up to this moment, this episode, this whole shindig. Do you feel enriched? Do you feel readier than ever for the conversations you are having about cinema, about the Oscars in 2022? Yeah, they really teed me up to um, lose all my respect for this. (laughs) 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 But at the same time, I'm kind of like... I feel like... I I do feel like I've lost so much respect for it because I'm like, okay, even if the movies that I watched in preparation for this were not good at least they had clout at least they were like they they brought something to the table you know rocky was mid to me but at least it was iconic braveheart was like what but at least it was again iconic action-packed like like huge set pieces like people like a big box office like people were obsessed with that movie you know 12 years a slave was like powerful and like you know Beautiful, but like a huge like reckoning in Oscar history in terms of like, you know, representation. Nomadland and Coda. The last two, like the last two winners, the first winners of 2020s. We're off to the toughest start. It's a horrendously bleak start. Uh Hearing Nomadland and Coda paired up next to each other, it really does 
cement to me that these last two years have been like a perfect organic end goal for what the last 10 year project was of the Oscars, which was we want to do, we want to drop our previous methods of voting and we want to celebrate diversity because A, it's about time and B, we've been bullied into it. And so here we are through like a decade of them experimenting with how to vote and how to ease into that process. And it's hard to say what the cause is. What exactly happened? I think for certain the new influx of sort of like uh, of, of, of voters into the academy definitely caused this because now it's like you have people that vote the old fashioned way and then people who are now voting with a real agenda in mind. We now have two years of Oscar winners that are these platonic ideals of technically they are diverse and technically they are representing either an ill-represented tax bracket or a disability or something in America that matters. And essentially, they are still white. Very, very, very white. Directed by women, but very, very white, white, white stories. So they can basically have the accolades of seeing people below them on screen while basically maintaining a pretty good social norm and seeing these two movies back to back it's like uh i don't know how we get out of this because it seems like a real comfortable groove that this institution can get into for another eight years how do you feel bad (laughs) do you do you agree yes i do i do i agree I hate that you do. I was hoping that maybe you would have some sort of optimistic spin on maybe. I don't, oh, you know, Kevin. Dune, I, Dune won six Oscars technically, so maybe. But they, but they I, won. It, it won I all the ones that it was going to win. Like, like there was no question yeah. that Dune, the big science fiction movie, was going to win the big science fiction awards. You know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Dune should have won Best Picture. That was like ultimate. That was like my final thought before it was happening. I was like, Dune should win Best Picture. Dune 2 hopefully will win Best Picture. Toon will win Best Picture, but... I think th- that the Mad Max Fury Road effect is always so bizarre. It's like if if you went to like a baking contest and you won Best Flour, Best Chocolate Chips, uh, Best Sugar, uh, Best Oven, and then you lost Best Cookie. But you lost Best Cookie and Best Chef. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't even nominated for Best Chef. No, you were out of that race. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. You know, I mean, like, Coda. Like... Well, let, let me base this question for you so we can ground this a little bit. Coda won Best Picture last week at the Academy Awards. It is now in the lineage of films such as The Godfather, uh, Parasite, uh, Silence of the Lambs, so on and so forth. Yeah, it gets worse the more I try and contextualize it, but stick with me. The big defense I see of Coda, and the one that, in my eyes, keeps crumbling away the more I think about this movie, is that this is ultimately a pretty harmless, whatever, best picture winner. It's going to be like an artist type of scenario, or like a Shakespeare in love. It's like, okay, weird that happened. This will pass. Do you think Coda is a harmless movie, Ayala Layman? 
Yes, and I feel like that's a bad, like, that's an insult. Like, this is a movie that's about, like, an underrepresented group. And it's harmless. And it's like a Disney Channel movie. <laughs> it's like a, it's like an ABC Family movie, you know, where they're like, they're like the special little guys in their neighborhood who everyone has, like, like, you know, who have to, like, get together to make it better for themselves, you know? It just was like, to me, it's harmful. <laughs> because it's like, oh, so movies that were like, act- uh, that are like actually poorly made, like, can win Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hate The Shape of Water. I think it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. But I'm like, I, I know Guillermo del Toro is a talented filmmaker. And he, you know, put together an interesting great production design good costume like it's like a strong you know it's a strong movie even though i hate it i think it's a it's clearly like a strong film even green book (laughs) (laughs) and i hate to put green book above something else but like even green book had like something in that there's something like i didn't hate that movie you know i do think it was a bit reductive but i did I did enjoy it. Like I, I watched that movie. I remember watching that movie and being like, you know, I want pasta right. now. Whatever. But God bless Spike Lee's thing. Wasn't my cup of tea. Like that's just like, <laughs> but that's just that's like basically it. Where it was just wasn't my cup of tea. You know, like those aren't my kind of yeah. movies. Coda was like the entire time I was texting you. This one best picture. Like that wouldn't win best picture at like a student film festival well i think we are back in the era and uh i've only invoked these guys names so many times because they are uh neck they they are connected with the oscars so intrinsically that the identity of the show and the voting body of the show has been so influenced by their campaigning i am talking about the weinstein brothers Ah. um and what Coda smacks of, and this is something I've, I've, I've tweeted about, so apologies if this is uh, you know, repetitive, but this whole campaign for Coda, like, look, the, the central thesis of this, if this Academy Awards was ha- held five weeks ago, on like the normal date that these Oscars are usually held, Power of the Dog would have won. The only reason Coda wins God. is because of the last two to three weeks of campaigning. That is it it is apple first of all paying 25 million dollars for this film out of sundance right this is not an this is an apple uh tv plus movie mm-hmm. they didn't make it they didn't produce it that comes next year with the scorsese movie which i would not be surprised if scorsese takes one more best picture because of how if, if they can do a trading places and pluck in like a, a poor eddie murphy out from the street and make him a rich man in the span of a week if they can do that dakota then motherfucker, Martin Scorsese is going to do a Return of the King at the Oscars next year. I mean, like, I think we forget, but like, look at Ted Lasso. Yes, yes, yes. I think that is a great point. That is such a great, I, I posted, I, I was listening to back to some of our episodes from the Oscar miniseries that we did and some of our predictions that we had over the last couple of weeks of what was happening. And what we think would happen. And I think one of the big takeaways I had is that you and I grossly overestimated Don't Look Up. Grossly. Well, I think everyone did. And I think that Don't Look Up, pe- 
I think that people really. I what is Netflix's campaign strategy like? It wasn't very good. It's not very public, is what it sounds yeah. like. Which is what Apple TV is it is veering for. Like they sent the cast of Coda to the White House last mm-hmm. week. They watched it with Joe and Jill Biden amidst the Ukrainian invasion. You know, like Apple TV slotted into their busy schedule with it. That's the power they have. Yeah. So it's like, if you can do that, then yeah, motherfucker. And I think bringing up Ted Lasso is, I, I hadn't even considered it, but you're right. There is like a, like a, a rabid fan base around that show for a streaming service that no one I know has. Yeah, and that the only people that I do know have it only have it because on they accident. just bought a new iPhone. Yeah, or, and, <laughs> and on they accident. forgot to yeah. cancel it. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think Apple TV is going real public. They're they're doing like a very classical campaign run that the Weinstein's did. Yeah, while Netflix is just like they're on their fourth year of just sending voters. All right, here's another art book. Here's another gift basket of like dried food. Like here's another this. Like, it well, seems like they didn't it's because change ne- up their game plan. It's because Netflix is, like, the first streaming service, you know? The and original so, sin. Yeah, and so I think that they think that they have a lot more clout than they actually... Maybe it's a Will Smith situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they think they have a lot more clout than they actually do. Like, they really believe that they're still at the top of the game, you know? And I mean, like, their TV does well. Like, at the Emmys, they had Best Show with... um queen's gambit you know like they're they're yeah that did fine and it's like it's really talked about online but i think that they don't realize that like sure they have millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of subscribers but like those millions and millions and millions of subscribers like accidentally pushed play on the power of the dog because they saw benedict cumberbatch they just saw dr strange was in it and they were like what's this and then they watched it and were like mid because they like don't enjoy movies (laughs) <laughs> they're there to watch the office again which they actually lost so what's the point point? and so i think that they but i think that that's like a huge downfall of netflix and why they become kind of like a joke to a lot of people is because that they think that they have this clout and that's why they don't release their streaming numbers and they never release their actual like the actual popularity of their stuff they're just like oh this has the biggest opening on netflix and it's like there's no fact check you know it's like <laughs> that that fucking post that fucking meme that's like Sources, trust me, dude. Like that's literally what they they're at. So they think that they have this clout that they can just like they're the biggest streaming service. They can just put they can just hide their numbers, but they but they are actually really secretive because they don't want anyone to know what the actual funding looks like for things, you know? Like there's yeah. a lot of money in Netflix, but like no one really knows how much. Coda is a nothing movie and if we talk about it it's because we're forced to if if we can just talk about the streaming services real quick okay I have an interview excerpt I would love to read to you there is like a very vocal minority on Twitter that was very upset that the Babysitter's Club reboot was cancelled on Netflix right Uh, and it was apparently like people thought it was popular it was like always in the Netflix top 10 or something I I never watched the show I, I I thought it was all. I thought it was like still in production by the time it was like canceled. It was very weird. There is an interview with one of the main creatives, and it's like one of the more like direct insights I've ever read of like Netflix numbers and how they function and how I think streamers are changing right now and how that would maybe affect code. Like I really wanted Power the Dog to win Best Picture, 
if only because I just want to see what Netflix's game plan is. Yeah, I'm like, really curious what that is. Yeah, like, what do they do with a Best Picture trophy? Like, do they keep giving auteurs blank checks? Or once they get the trophy, do they stop? Like, do they just like, okay, we did it. Now we can go back to making money. This kind of gave me an answer. The question that I think this is from Vulture. They ask, do you ever wish you had the data? I imagine it could feel enlightening, but it could also mess with your head. The creative of Babysitter's Club answers, the data is not that useful unless you have everybody else's data too. I know our numbers at Netflix would have been the biggest hit in many other places. Our audience compared to HBO shows that are seen as massive hits, succession-like juggernauts. We do way bigger numbers. When you only have your numbers in a vacuum and you don't know the numbers of anything else, you don't know what you're trying to hit. You don't know what numbers other comparable shows are hitting. Netflix will give you context in terms of what your numbers were last season or what they were hoping for, but even that is very vague. You're flying a little blind. I worked for Netflix on a lot of shows for a lot of years now. I started working on Glow in 2016, so a lot of different philosophies and priorities have come and gone. Initially at Netflix, it was okay to have a smaller audience and be quirkier and more particular. The idea was that there was something for everyone, not that everything has to be for everybody. Mm. We really want to give creators the space to create the show they want to make and trust it will find its audience. As they've grown, I think that philosophy has changed somewhat. I don't know exactly how they figure out what's worth it. End quote. To which I'm now just like, okay, so now not only are we left completely in the gray with what Netflix intentions are moving forward, but now... We don't. We have to wait for Apple TV to get to that point of deciding what they want to do. Because right now they're like such a nascent streamer that they just need to build a library at this yeah. point. So we will be. I think there will be a ton of cultural writers and a ton of filmmakers who start preaching the, to the, the preaching the praises of Apple TV Plus. Just like, oh my god, they gave me the money to do with this amazing project I always wanted to do, and I think it will last for maybe like two and a half years, and then we'll get right back into this scenario. Yeah. Like, They'll, they'll kind of speed run their way to do like to the squid game stage of things so they, they can miss like the orange is the new black and the stranger things eras. They'll skip that and they'll go right to, okay, we have international shows, which they're kind of already doing. I don't know how good Pachenko is doing, but oh, that's know. kind of what their intent is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is real like hoity-toity stuff, but it's also like at this point, these are the only buoys out there. Like, this is it. Like, it, it's either these two major streamers, because Amazon basically gave up, uh, or <laughs> A24. <laughs> Amazon really did just give up. <laughs> A24 oh my was God, like, I hadn't even yeah, thought yeah. about that until you said it right now. Amazon was really in the game, and they're like, ah, we're TV. Fine. We're good. They TV's did the better. Charlie Day movie. <laughs> the Charlie Day that, rom-com. Of course. And they're like, that's, that's, what, we, we, that's what we've got in us. That's so funny. I just like, I kind of wonder, I really am curious because I feel like, again, like the lack of transparency with Netflix, I find to be so unappealing. And I think that that's, again, like going to be the really, really big issue there. We're like, how did they fumble the bag of like, sure, they got Don't Look Up a Best Picture nomination and sure they got um, Power of the Dog deservedly a Best Picture nomination, but how they fumbled Tick, Tick, Boom. I feel like that was a shoe in you know? And that especially if feel good was like editing yeah. and Mr. Garfield, which he especially if, if feel good was the name of the game, you know, which clearly it was like Coda, but Coda. like how did Belfast get in there and not to, like how did how did Netflix fumble that? But I guess maybe they were just like no more for Netflix. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Belfast, that's Belfast has been campaigning in a very old fashioned way. That's true. Way yeah. True since word before of mouth. it premiered. Yeah. Uh, it, it went like the film festival route of just like, okay, this is how movies in 2012 won Best Picture naturally. How movie win Best Screenplay. Best Screenplay. Let's, let's award. Should we award our own awards? We can oh, have our God. own awards. Let's give out our own awards, Kevin. We did. It's called the fucking, it's the Golden Boys. <laughs> okay, we Best Visual Effects Dune, yes. Best Film Editing oh, Dune, God. sure. Oh, <laughs> Best Costume Design. To me, like, obviously Jenny Bevan deserved for Mad Max. Like, she's clearly just like a, you know, when she went up and won, I was like, clearly this is just like, you know. And people like were screaming for her. I was like, okay, she deserves this clearly. Like, she does a lot of other stuff, you know. Production design. I thought, I mean, I mean, Dune really just like rakes in all the technical ones, you know, because Dune is Dune. Like, that's an insane movie, you know, like it makes sense. Best original song should have been Be Alive by Beyonce from uh, King Richard. Uh, I would have loved uh, Power of the Dog for best original score. I thought that Johnny Greenwood did a great work. Um, I didn't watch any of the docs, any of the live actions. Oh, the shorts. I'm sorry. Sorry. Best international film, obviously Drive My Car. Best animated film. I didn't see. I only saw Encanto of these. Best adapted do you like? Do you, do, whoa, 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 Do you like Drive My Car more than Worst Person in the World? Wow, I didn't know that yep. about you. Hundred okay, percent. Yeah. Um, best adapted screenplay. I'm honestly gonna say Drive My Car because it's insane that he took like three stories and put them into one. Best original screenplay. I'm gonna say of these. <laughs> would I nominate something else? Maybe. Um, I would say Licorice Pizza is my choice. Uh-huh. Best supporting actress. Um, I would feel bad not giving it to Ariane DeBose because people said she was really, really good, but obviously I would have picked Kirsten Dunst. Best Supporting Actor. Uh, I did think Troy was really, really good in Coda, but I would have loved to see it go to Mr. Cody Smith McVee. Um, Best Actress. I would have given it to like Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Best Actor. Uh, I probably would have given it to Benedict Cumberbatch. Best Director, Jane. And Best Picture. Honestly, actually... While I was watching the ceremony and after the ceremony, especially, I think drive my car. I think I think if we're talking like to to uh-huh. unite everybody, I think Dune. I think Dune should win best picture as like a big like okay, everyone loves Dune, 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 Dune. You know, I think actually the best movie of last year was Power of the Dog. <laughs> I think, but I think like to tr- like I think that like especially after the slap. And after Coda wins Best Picture and Best Screenplay, I'm like, oh, it's Drive My Car, you know? Like, this this awards cycle, like, was that movie. Like, that movie was this, you know? Like, that movie, it means everything now, you know? Like, the, guy, the, 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 the actor who thinks he can get away with everything being arrested on stage in costume. <laughs> and then people oh my god and then people um i mean like obviously the big thing about coda is they're like oh but you learn so much about like the you know the coda like lifestyle and having a deaf family member blah blah and i'm like there's a beautiful sequence in drive my car about a woman who has to speak in korean sign language and she's a wonderful character. And you learn so much about their beautiful relationship. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
Drive My Car <laughs> is the movie of the year. I have look. We've lost to home- so much, you know. We've lost so much, and we oh all just dr- deserve to drive around and stick a cigarette out the wind. The 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 thing. Homie to homie. Yeah. Right. Homie to homie. Yeah. You galaxy braining drive my car to encapsulate the entire award season is one of the hottest things you've ever done in your life. <laughs> okay, homie to homie. <laughs> that was ludicrous. Because you're right? Because you're 100% correct? And I look like the Riddler? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the second most. But, like, also the way that people fail to communicate with one another in that film and, like, are, are sort of projecting onto one another only what they are able to take from the art that they are sharing is literally the discourse of this past week. The entire function of Drive My Car is universally what we do as a broken people. That (laughs) Drive My Car has a hopeful ending is, and that it feels believable and in reach and not the fantasy that it very likely is, makes that movie a miracle. (laughs) That Drive My Car ends and she has kept, she has maintained the one thing that she loved in this movie, the car. She loved the, she liked driving the car. Loves that car. And like, that she, at the end of that movie is her like escaping from everyone else. <laughs> having nothing to do with, the very end of the movie is her literally just having nothing to do with the guy or the production or anything. She's just like figured out her shit and is like living a normal life. And seems happy despite COVID because they're all wearing masks. I mean, like. You know, obviously that's a cultural difference, but like the end of that movie happens during COVID, right? I don't, I mean, I, I thought so only because there are a lot of other movies that had their like final moments in COVID. Yeah. Uh, but I, it might also be a cultural. Did yeah, you know? I, I really wasn't sure, 100% sure, but it just seemed like, you know. Yeah, yeah no, it fits, it fits, it fits. <sighs> um, God, it's, how did... <sighs> How do you, how are you not deeply ashamed of like awarding Coda? You know, like I don't know how you talk about this movie. What is there to do with this thing? But not like I was taught. Like my friends, we were talking about it in our chat, and like some of the people in the chat who like simply don't enjoy movies, like <laughs> no, <laughs> like they were like, I didn't get Power of the Dog, and I was like, you didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> we're like i loved coda you know yeah my mom loved coda and i was like i don't get why like i watched it today and i texted her about it i was like i just don't get it she said did you like it i said it was like a disney channel movie i don't get it it was sweet the dad was excellent and she said i feel you learned about the deaf community and it had more substance than shape of water <laughs> <laughs> Guillermo catching strays left and right. <laughs> Which I actually disagree with because I, even though I didn't like Shape of Water, at least it had like something different about it. You know, like at least it had like some grit. Fucking it, sea it, man. Um, right. Fucking the fish well, It has something to parse through that ultimately you disagree with, yeah. but you can like read through it. Yes. 
And it has something like it has some cool visual effects. I think it was. Was it your letterbox review? Someone's letterbox review was like, if you are a deaf or hard of hearing person and you're watching this movie, you don't even have anything interesting to look at. Oh, no, I've seen that around. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that the film is is so unimaginative because it comes from like the worst school of producing film. It's like it's a straight it's a straight to DVD movie. It's a long episode of Glee, but not as funny. And the performances aren't as good. The songs aren't even fun. It is a completely passionless film because it's just it's one of those nightmare movies that is like, okay, we found a French film that we think can find an American demographic. So let's remake it. Uh, let's get Sean Hader. She makes documentaries. We'll have her write the script. She has no idea what ASL is, but she'll learn. Uh, and she'll also direct. She'll also learn how to do that. Uh, do, you know, do you know anything about like the behind the scenes or like the making of this movie? I think you told me something, but go ahead. Yeah, so this movie premiered at Sundance and it had like, it was you know the biggest splash of last year's Sundance. It was the virtual Sundance. And people went fucking crazy for this thing. And I Evan, had, I didn't even hear about it until it was nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> well, yeah. Relatively crazy for how whatever kind of mind space Sundance I is able to I watched a couple Sundance movies. <laughs> <laughs> this won the Grand Jury Prize. It was the opening night film. It was it was what? This was going to be like the the big premiere at the Eccles. Okay. Can you imagine watching this movie at the Eccles? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I would have cried, written a rave review, and then gotten home and been like, we have to watch it. We watched it with my mom and been like, um, I'm sorry, maybe it was the altitude. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is a movie where, to her own admission at least, she owns up to it. Sean Hader, she, she started learning ASL once she got the job and was basically adjusting the script and the, the decorations of the house only because the uh, uh, assistants and the coordinators and the um, consultants were telling her, this is not how a, a hard of hearing deaf person's house would be laid out. And like Marley Matlin, who's the, the mother in the film, threatened to drop out of the movie because they were wanting to cast hearing abled actors as the other family members. They wanted to, they basically she wanted was to like the... stunt cast Marley Matlin. Yeah. Uh, so it's like one of those things where it's just like, we're already in an episode of insane comparisons, but the way that I think, so I, I'm just going to go with it. The way that I think of Coda is very much how I feel people in our age range, sorry, not people, couples in our age range saying, we're expecting, and I'm like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. You see the world around you. You see what the situation is. You're going to introduce a baby? Okay, that's really a funny because I am swiping through baby. pictures of Rihanna's pregnancy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, they're on Instagram. She looks fabulous. She does. She's rocking every look. But like, do you know how many other children there are? Yeah. How many motherless children there are and you're going to just make a new thing to fill up the space? <laughs> and that's how I kind of feel about Coda. It's a movie made for babies that reminds me of a baby that has the same plot as like um i don't know like steve leaving on blues clues mm-hmm. that's basically what happens at the end of this movie it's the same dramatic oof it's the same like driving away in a car waving at your family scene you've always seen it's you've it's a se- lifetime I, movie it's a disney you've channel seen this movie, movie before? it's an abc family original movie yes. event yeah 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 and it's just so disappointing that that's where the bar is i i know like i 
in one of our previous episodes, like I, I basically said, like I would rather don't look up win. I just don't want Coda to win. If Coda wins, it's just I, and I didn't elaborate because it just felt so out of mind, out of sight. Like there was no way this was going to happen. But I think it's just like I. There's no organic way that this happened. You know, this was a purchased yeah. trophy. Yeah. But that, like, you can swindle a voting body into this of, like, apparently the people that make movies, that make cinema, that make the, the most popular form of art in the United States and perhaps the world over is just like, all right, so is that, this is just what we're doing now. This is what we're, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even a movie made by people that were passionate about the topic. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I think. I mean, this is awful, but like, even "Don't Look Up" gave a shit. You know, "Don't Look Up" was bad, but at least it like did something a little different. You know, at least yeah. it wasn't. At least I wasn't watching "Don't Look Up" and thinking like, "Well, this reminds me of this. Well, this reminds me of that. Well, this reminds me of that." Or, or waiting for something to kick in. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, I don't know about this, but at least it was like. Di- different you know like not to sound like my mom my mom really loves to say well, at least it was different but like at least don't look up like, brought something to a table was it a table i wanted to sit at no did i want to eat what they brought no but no. <laughs> it certainly arrived it certainly did something it was a perspective at the yeah. very least a but, perspective yeah. that is like bo- you know boiled over and has been spread out as many times as the plot of coda has been reused over and over but there's at least a little bit of a something there there's a little bit of like a an anger in it yes. that i you and i ultimately found very annoying but it is an anger nevertheless it's there is a present emotion that's trying to be channeled in that movie yeah like when when we talk about don't look up and, and or, or like we write about it it feels like we're fighting a person you yeah. know like it really does feel like we're shit talking someone yeah. When you shit talk Coda, it's just like it's like I'm 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 writing like a Yelp review on a, on like a box of of like Teddy Grams. Like it's just it's there's there's seventeen thousand other types of these boxes in just one truck alone. Ridiculous. And then it became this weird like political thing of like, well, like my mom said like, oh, you learn about the deaf community, and I'm like, that doesn't mean it's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> You can learn about the deaf community anywhere. <laughs> you don't have to watch Coda. Is that what watch counts as important? Just having someone meet parasocially meet someone through a movie. Like if more if more deaf people get to see themselves on screen, is that ultimately like a net positive? You get to learn about gay people and power of the dog. Does that mean that it's important to learn about the gays? <laughs> all right kevin rank them nomadland coda uh uh second place putting nomadland okay and in first place i'm putting coda because okay. coda coda is just like a it's both a nothing burger and just like a a a a, a black hole of a movie nomadland i think contributed something awful i think nomadland was like event horizon oh no we found a, an entryway to hell we need to close that real quick Coda at least didn't do that. I would have preferred if it had. 
What are your rankings? Mm, number two, Coda. Number one, Nomadland. What saves Nomadland for you? Uh, interesting to look at. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's it. Honestly, that movie uh, very had a fair. better very story fair. that I hadn't heard before. I mean, was it again? Do I agree with the politics? Absolutely not. Do I think it's, it genuinely believe it was like a worse thing, like one of the worst things that could happen? Yes. Um, had an interesting story. Had a good performance. Uh, was visually stunning. Um made me cry more than coda did i was like crying while watching coda about something else and my dad <laughs> my dad dropped by oh my god oh my god are you okay i'm fine are you okay <laughs> and my dad came over i was like i'm just crying at this coda movie <laughs> jesus christ holy fuck <laughs> um Look, I'm glad we got to talk about the Will Smith slap. This feels like a, a distinct uh, waste of an episode. Like, it's just like... I said we didn't have to talk about... I said we could talk about Power of the Dog. You said no. I know. I know. I, it's not until we got to the end of this that I realized, oh my God. <laughs> we oh signed my. up to talk about a movie that <sighs> will not exist in two years. Actually, probably doesn't, kind of doesn't exist today. It doesn't exist right fucking now. It's... um. I don't know. It's like it's talking about the flavor of Wonder Bread. You know, it's just what do you do? What do you do with this? And it, do you think people are going to watch this? Do you, do you do you really think in two years is going to fade into obscurity? Yeah. Okay. I just can't like literally imagining it on someone's best of the year list doesn't even track to me. You know, it wasn't a lot of like critics. A lot of critics had a real soft spot for this movie when it dropped, yeah. for sure. And it just being like this small, lovely darling that made you feel good. I, like, I know Sean Fennessy of the big picture, he had this very, like, very kind hearted review of it only because his daughter was born on the same. He watched it the day after his daughter was born. Oh. And he was like, oh my God, this movie makes a lot more sense now. And I'm like, yeah, a fucking, a baby. If I have a puppy and I look at a, a bag of pepperoni. I see the dog on the packaging. I'm not going to feel an attachment. You're right. That's that's how marketing works. I- okay, but I'm sorry. Not to talk about this movie even more than we already are. We already have. This movie doesn't, isn't good. Like, it doesn't feel good. Like, I, like, I'm happy that she gets her independence at the end, but this movie doesn't give a shit about her family. No, it really leaves that. It doesn't even let you know, like, how their business will end like, up I doing. Have, like, you, like, he, like, the last thing you really hear about them is that he loses his fishing license. Yes. And after that, yes. you don't you like you literally have no grasp on what becomes of their company. Like they like apparently they get to go back out into the water, but then she's like, "Oh, but how? Uh, but like how, how did they get the money to go back it into the the water? Like they had to pay a big fine. Like it doesn't it like the, it it stops giving a shit about them the second that like her storyline kicks into gear of like her going to. I'm sorry, but it. It is deranged to me, and I don't understand my mom. My mom hates when my mom's a college counselor. She hates when they're like, when they do like the name brand colleges, like the Berkeley College of Music. It's it's deranged that she like I know. And again, I don't give a shit about realism in movies, but it's just like so fucking stupid that they're like, you have a good voice. You should go to Berkeley College of Music, and it's like, you just study for like six years before you go to the Berkeley College of Music, and she just like has a fucking High School Musical logic. It's just like a High School. It's literally a High School Musical. But again, the songs aren't even that fun. You don't even get it. Get your head in the game. 
Um, yeah, it's just, it's not thought out. Uh, it, it really rides on the coattails of Marley Matlin and Troy Kotzer, who are, I think, ve- they're very nice to watch together. And I, I do just like watching how a fisherman family has to deal with regulations. I think that's, just, I mean, that's just ultimately a, a very American story in that. And a, a part of the story that ultimately this movie is not interested in whatsoever because the, the safe space is just, uh, the the getting tutored by your magical music teacher and taking your crush to the abandoned gorge of fresh water behind your house. That and is your brother always empty. Fucking your high school age friend. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's <laughs> that kid's like twenty something years old, and the girl is like in high school. Yeah, but yeah. He, he, listen, this is a movie that treats all of its disabled characters as children. So just age them down a little bit. And he cut him some slack, you know? He's 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 24, but really might be uh, 19. You know how sometimes food doesn't taste the same when you can't smell? Yeah. You think sex is different if you can't hear any of it? Yes. I think a lot of what I think of of sexual is real. I'm realizing it's auditory. Oh my God, that's fascinating. Marley Matlin, if you would like to come on the pod, <laughs> stop it. We have Don't some interpreters. <laughs> we think it would really be an interesting conversation that Coda did not allow you to have. Okay? I've got some cues. I I have some burning cues. <laughs> wow. Not to tokenize you or anything, but you know we just got some cues. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It really does end with her set her, setting herself up to fail right as her family is about to hit the lowest uh, point of their fishermen lives. And then everyone cries and claps or hand waves rather. It just doesn't make any sense. Like this, the movie just doesn't make any sense. Like it's just so it just make it, it doesn't make any sense how it like got past even it I don't even know how it got accepted into a festival. Like like, how did it even get nominated for Best Picture? Like, it was so, it was so mediocre. It was so fine. And, like, people being like, oh, it was just mild. It was just what we needed, blah, blah, I'm like, there were a couple other movies that were nominated that were, like, mild and just maybe, like, just what we needed and, like, heartfelt, et cetera, et cetera, all the bullshit that people say about it. Like, you know what? You know what maybe we should have done? Barb and Star go to Vista Del Freakin' Mar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's just so hard. Uh, it's just so nice. I just love a nice movie. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, my God. Turn on the Real Housewives of New York City if you want to watch something nice. It, uh, it makes sense that the baby movie made for babies, voted on for babies, uh, the, the jury who selected this uh, ultimately went on to cry about Will Smith traumatizing their senses for a whole week. It makes perfect sense. And then they also had to make a weird joke about how no one saw The Last Ghoul. Which is true. Which is true. And also, Ridley Scott is famously an asshole. <laughs> so he's one of those guys that if you make fun of him, I feel like he'll just go, oh, you bloody cunt. <laughs> you know, he'll kind of roll with it. He'll love I it. I don't think anyone has to run to the defense of Sir Ridley Scott. No. Sir Ridley Scott. You know what I mean? Like, Sir yeah. Ridley Scott, he's good. He's rolling just fine. The, the mean-spiritedness of this year's Oscars did not bother me very much because I think everyone should be brought down 
No, a I thought they made some peg. really funny jokes. I thought they made some and, really, really funny jokes. And, uh, Academy members, don't look up reviews of movies. That's so funny. Very, Amy Schumer, you're in the gulag, but that was a she good She actually one. did a, she had a good, she had that good monologue, and then later she was like, she did. And also women are losing their rights everywhere, and Ukraine is experiencing a help, like a crisis. And I'm like, then get your fucking boots on the ground, Amy Schumer. What are you doing here? Stop whining. <laughs> Go volunteer, Amy. <laughs> Go volunteer, Amy Schumer. Stop fucking crying about it. I can't stand her. Well, look. But just she did as, do some good work in that she first did monologue. Do, was pretty the first monologue set me up for maybe a good show. And just as everyone needs to be brought down a peg, I am now reminded of where Aya's mind may be in pegging the entirety of BTS and who may be put atop that pyramid from the cast of Sean Hader's 2021 Best Picture winning Coda. Do I have to do Coda? Can I just do like an, like an Oscar roundup of Hottest of the Flicks? I mean, this will be the second week in a row that we pull an audible. I don't know if you want to cheap out the listeners of our <laughs> podcast like that. I don't know if you really want to sully the sanctity of hottest of the flick like that. People, do you think people really, really care about who the hottest in Coda was? I mean, I'll throw out I the hottest in Coda. I get emails every day, Aya, about people needing to make sure that the hottest of the flick is remained in its preserved state, Okay. I get it nonstop. I don't send it to you because I know you have a lot of things on your plate. And I'm trying on. to make sure you're in a very calm, placid state. But sometimes I go over the edge with all these requests for keeping Hot as the Flick the way it should be. Well, side story, Mike Feist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going you backwards. I'm going backwards. Dick. Power of the fucking... dog. Oh. <laughs> Power of the dog. You know what? Well, I think I said last time it was Bronco Henry, but I'm going to give it to him. I think Benedict Cumberbatch. Look top. Are you doing all the best picture nominees yeah, yeah. right now? Is Nightmare that what's happening? Okay. Uh, the film that right. I only watched 15 minutes of is obviously the answer is Bradley Cooper. Licorice Pizza, actually, I already said the answer uh, was also Bradley Cooper. Jesus. But man. I'll, throw, I'll right. throw a bone to Alana. I'm, she looked really hot. King Richard, I did not see, so I have no answer. Uh, King Richard, the answer is Beyonce dressed as a tennis ball. <laughs> Dune, Thoughts of Dune, I think I already assigned to Oscar Isaac, which he deserved. Uh, drive my car is going to be Masaki Okada so hot and drive my car don't look up Timothy Chalamet gotta give it to him he looked cute with his little long hair uh hottest Belfast is my guy Jamie Dornan singing <sighs> everlasting love which he then sang at an at Oscars after party I wish I could have been there hottest of coda best picture 2021 is Marley Matthews. Okay. Honorable pick. An honorable choice. Kevin? I'm a dirty dog and I'm going to fuck her friend. <laughs> gonna... She was hot though. She had hot energy. Uh, the big brother in Coda is my personal hero. And uh, I say, okay, uh, Amy Forsyth? Sure thing. Let's go on a date, young lady. You were... She was in Beautiful Boy with Timothy Chalamet. No way. I think she plays. Does she play the girlfriend? Does she play? Okay, I have no idea who she plays actually. She uh, killed at age. <laughs> killed at age. Uh, Hellfest, beloved film. She was in Degrassi. Uh, and born in 1995, so I will take it. She's older than me. She's a gilf. Yeah. <laughs> You're sick. <laughs> uh, Aya, do you have any final thoughts on this year's Oscar ceremony? And do you have? <sighs> 
any hopes and dreams moving forward into this year of cinema? Uh, 2022 has officially started. Eat my shorts and no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pithy. Very nice. Put it on the tombstone. I like the bat. If the Batman wins Best Picture, I will applaud. I will stand Ouch. up and applaud and clap. Good God. <laughs> Can you imagine if the Batman won Best Picture? No, not anymore. No. It's, just, it's, not in the, it's too mean. That's way true. That's so true. I'm starting to get red-pilled. I'm like the, the liberal elite. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Leftist Hollywood has gone too far this time. But it's like, it's like the it's like the it's like the gross like weird like like centrism uh, and like that like weird like vernacular of like we just need to keep things nice like we need to come together and enjoy art as long as that art makes us look good and they can't bear to look bad by picking picking power of the dog a movie that's like a mean movie they're like no we must pick a movie that is good and kind and we need to reach across the aisle <laughs> You can't make anyone feel bad if you stand for nothing. Amen, brother. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Aya versus the Big Boys on the Mary Graham Magazine Podcast Network. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. Please follow us at MGR Magazine on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please donate to the Patreon at patreon.com slash MGRM. Email us at Boys at gmail.com. <sighs> Hope you're feeling better than I am this week. Folks, we're getting back into the swing of things. Oh my gosh, Kevin. Today is March 30th, which I just realized is not the last day of March. But our next episode, we will already be a week into. <gasps> is it the, back? Is it back? Is it the back? return of A24 Pro? Oh my God. Aya, maybe we will restore your faith in the hit, in the future of cinema. Oh man, here's hoping. By talking about more A24. We'll see you next time, folks. See you next time. Don't be mad, don't be mad at me. Da, 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 da. I miss what you were saying. I was miles away. Don't be mad, don't be mad. Now I got a choice. I was busy thinking about boys. 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 I was busy dreaming about boys. 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 I was busy thinking about boys. 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 I was busy dreaming about boys.